This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Hiya, I'm Adam. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast. I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of it. Uh, the world of fight sports can be portrayed as quite glamorous at times, especially with Hollywood movies and the Rocky story. For fighters, uh, whether they be in mixed martial arts or in uh, boxing. It's sometimes a very different story. Only a few of them make it to the millionaire status that the likes of Floyd Mayweather portray on a day-to-day basis. Um, for the majority of fighters, it's a hard struggle, a really hard struggle. None more so than for the subject on today's podcast, a Liverpool fighter by the name of Tony Moran. His story is absolutely unbelievable. As a kid, Tony was a 12-time British champion in karate. However, we pick up this story as he explains how he got involved with the world of boxing. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. I went into a boxing gym when I was 16 and I, and I knew I was good at it. But I was a big fish in a little pond in karate. I was getting all the attention in, as a karate kid type of thing. So to go in a boxing world where I wasn't a big fish, and at 16 years of age when, you know, that sort of your teenage years and you're trying to, your egos building and stuff. I turned me back on the boxing, even though I knew I was I had something special to offer. I wish I would have carried Continue, it on now, yeah. but it didn't. You know, it is what it is. So at 28, I had this burning desire to to fulfil that goal, and I knew I could, but no one else believed I could. <laughs> especially, As in uh, managers, spe- promoters. especially boxers, my uh, boxing trainers, managers. I got basically laughed out of of gyms and offices. Not 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 to me, Facebook. You know, I could tell that people were humoured by my by my my own your ambition, yeah. By my ambition and by my dream, and I wouldn't let go of it. And um, what was your proposal at that point? Was it were you I asking for I, someone I, to come I, and train you? Effectively, I wanted to be someone to try me out so I could prove myself, and I did that with a coach who gave me an opportunity, John Smith. Loved John, loyal to him, and I've got nothing but respect for the opportunity he presented me with. But. John was a, a, a coach of journeyman, and we had a journeyman stable, effectively, apart from a couple of fighters he had who, who, were, who were title contenders, Alex Moon and people like that. But effectively, he was taking me on to be a journeyman, to, yeah. be, to be cannon fodder for the up-and-comings, and I refused to be that. John, even himself, would have to admit that he didn't believe that I was going to do anything. My own family didn't believe me, so I don't, I don't hold nothing against John for that. But I wasn't trained to become a skilled boxer. I was trained to get fit to fight. The, the skill box if that makes sense so that's how me me journey continued but yeah. still despite that within two years I was in, ranked in the top 10 in uh, the UK and I was fighting live on Sky for the British Commonwealth title yeah, you fought Obo, didn't you in one of the fights of the year as well so for someone who didn't know any boxing skill I was I was just a, a very tough competitor mm. I was moulded by, by 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 very tough um, sort of training and karate so it does transfer over because it's a fighting art at the end yeah, of the yeah, day yeah. So although I didn't have the boxing skill, I got right to the to the to the top level. Well, in, it was in the British. UK. Was it British and Commonwealth title against Mark Hobson? Yeah, and he was a, he was a bona fide champion of, yeah, yeah. of the highest order. I know Mark; he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a great fellow. Still in touch now. Yeah, yeah, still friends now. So, but the point I'm making is, he was he was skilled as a boxer from a very young yeah, age. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. skilled as a karate karate man. <laughs> I was skilled as a karate man from a very young age. And would you believe, even as a karate kid, I never had no coach really. I was all self-taught really. Trial and error. Observation. So you get to British level without yeah. anybody and Commonwealth. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. without anybody saying to you, 
Right, Tony. This is how we're going to go about doing it. Well, do you know? No, because it's unfair, and I've got to be very succinct and explain this. John was there every day, me hours and hours and hours. He, he committed his time to me, and I love him for it. But I've got the, the bare facts are we never worked on skill, on techniques. No, yeah. because I should have learned that as an amateur, shouldn't I? Of That's not should, John's yeah. fault. I, yeah, course, I should yeah. have learned that pedigree as an amateur. So, but effectively, I didn't know a slip from a sausage or a patty from a potato. I just used to block punches with me, and I'm six foot seven, and that ain't that shouldn't be my style. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it didn't work at the high levels and I fought for the world title as well when I was uh, and an area title yeah. but, I, but I fell at the final early every time because I wasn't skilled enough as a boxer yeah, yeah. I was tough enough like as a said, fighter you're six foot seven inch guy Yeah, you should be utilising that jab I was standing toe to toe with, with rugged tough yeah, yeah. skilled men and it, it didn't work in the end even though you know, I always went out on my shield it wasn't so I walked away in the end because I, I, well the Hobbo fight put Mark Hobson fight was your first defeat yeah that were, no, I wasn't me. I lost me first two pro boxing matches because I didn't know what I was doing. Just went in there and just started to have a, a fight, and I just didn't have a clue what I was doing really. But you were on a win streak going into so that. I lost fight, my first two and then won my next 10, 12. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. And then you had that shot at the British Commonwealth title. title. Yeah, I beat, I beat a guy called Matty Bellis, the Blackpool Rock. Mm. Beat him very well. And, uh, and then what happens? You get beat uh, against Dobbo, and then what happens then for you? Uh, is, do you know what? I had three jobs. Children were coming into my life, my, my daughters, my son. At, at the time, obviously, they were younger. I was working in a homeless hostel, like, 60 hours a week doing shift work. I was working on the door. I was running a kickboxing club. Try and manage that with a, with a full-time boxing career against, like, top-level fighters. It's, 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 a, it's a hard... Um, Very hard, yeah. A, but I did it. But at the same time, it, it doesn't work well. It works, but it doesn't work well. But I did it, and uh, it, it, it created some type of depth in me in terms of metal that I was able to take on forward into the MMA. But again, I had the same sort of problems. I've had the coach who, who was my coach who moulded me. Mm. And again, in, in the MMA, I was I was top level. I was, I was Quentin Jackson's sparring partner on Paige Jackson, pride pride and UFC champion, Bispin. You know, it's. It was just, it was tough for me, even very frustrating because I knew how good I was. Well, I'm a world class striker. You can ask any of these these fighters in Liverpool. It were, were world level now that I've sparred with and the MMA fighters, and I'm world class. And none of them could tell could tell you any different. They would have to show me that respect because of what has transpired between us in, in mm. gyms and in spars. There's no difference in our levels as strikers. The only difference I I've had to be frustrated by is that. For my own, for my own reasons, I, ne- I never got myself to break because I left it too late. So if I wouldn't have left it too late, and I wouldn't, have, I would have took the journey properly, pedigree as a as a, as a boxer, got got all the amateur accreditations that I surely would have. Then obviously the path would have been different. So no one else to blame but myself. But still, yeah. But that comes down as well to opportunity. Was the oppor- was the opportunity there for you at say sixteen years of age yeah, to do those things? Because they wanted me to, 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 to. I was in the Evan Red Triangle, and they would have wanted me to become an amateur boxer for their for their gym. And mm. I, I, I've got no doubt I would have um, done well. Excelled, yeah. got no doubt about it. And then we pat into pro boxing with 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 all the with all the the, uh, the trinkets would have been a wide open door. Would have got the promoters, the managers, the coaches who would have. See my, my my potential, yeah, potential, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had the potential all along, and I proved it in the hardest way possible, mm. and I still didn't stop. So then I gave up a six-year MMA career with the same thing, and I got to the UFC, by the way. But um, but things happened, um, things beyond my control to do with the Wolf Slayer, to do with Michael Bisman, to do with Rampage, it was like a perfect storm, and they all fell out, and uh, that sort of closed the door for me. 
So that would have been nice to have said I made it there. Whether I would have achieved that. Well, talk about, like, there'll be people listening to this that are massive fans of mixed martial arts. They know that other things exist other than the UFC. Mm. Um, what type of levels were you fighting at? Cage Warriors? Were you talking, are we talking that? Are we talking uh, Bama? Where were we at? So I fought on, I, I did fight on one. Here's, how, here's the one we had my career went. I was at the Wolf I was a main sparring partner for the, for the top level fighters. And it, again, there was nothing between us in terms of skill, apart from on the grappling side. Yeah, of course, yeah. And I wasn't getting skilled in the grappling. It wasn't I wasn't getting taken aside and and shown that ground game. I could, yeah. If this one would have developed my ground game from the first time I went in there, when when I proved myself very clearly to everyone, then would, that would have been a different story. But it's it, the gym was flying and it was flying on the back of Rampage and Bishman. Yeah, and they with a the focus. And the fighters coming through, although we we had great opportunities and all that, the the, the coaching staff was all centred on on yeah. the top level fighters. You can understand it, but it's again when you're there, when you look back, you can understand it. But when you're there, you can't because you see all the you see all the no, not at the time. You see all the glitter and the glamour and the cameras. You see the fame game going on all around. Yeah, getting flown. I was no, I had some great opportunities. Getting flown to America, sparring a partner, uh, training camps. It was great. So you think your time's going to come. But what what had happened with me was I wasn't developing the way I should have, and if I would have got to the UFC, I wouldn't. I probably would have done well. I would have given anyone a test as a striker, but as as a grappler, top American wrestlers, you know, they probably would have sucked me apart. So I needed that. I needed that core grounding as a grappler, mm. as a grappler, because fundamentally, if you're in MMA and you've got no takedown defense or whatever, you're just going to get taken apart by a grappler. A grappler will beat the stand-up fighter. Nine times as a purist, yeah, meeting a purist, grapple or win every time. It's, it's well, we saw that recently with no uh, McGregor and Diaz, didn't we? Yeah, a guy that's brilliant at Brazilian jiu jitsu. Yeah. As soon as it went down to the deck, it was all over. Yeah, I'm sort of was in a real purist form. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I went to the Wolf Slayer as a purist striker, I didn't have a clue what the ground game was about. I spent six months tapping on Tapo Tony, do you call me? <laughs> <laughs> that's not a nickname that you want in the MMM. Right? I'm a pod, yeah, but here's the, here's the beauty of it, right. I, I'll go to any lines then and throw myself right into the middle because you know why? Because you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. If you leave your pride at the door or put your pride in your pocket and leave your ego at the door, you can excel at anything if, if you if you put the hard work in. And that's what the, that's the that's the ego side and the machismo side of the fight sports. But you start somewhere. And it, it doesn't matter where you start as long as you're willing to see it through. Mm. So how long were you then involved in mixed martial arts at that level? So I went to Wolf Slayer after my boxing career ended. I had no in, intention of fighting. And I just become just become hooked on it again. Just become hooked on a fight sport, you know what I mean? And Kerry Cage from Manchester, funny enough. Mm. He was in the corner of a like all Crispy Bacon who four for the bro- a boxing area title. And and he was telling me about nutrition. So I didn't even have a clue about nutrition. I I just had not have a clue about anything. I was just very badly You you just could fight. Trial and error. And I, was, I was just a hard an hard dude, a skinny dude. <laughs> I'm a hard dude. So, um, so yeah. So he, he guided me. I thought, you know what? I want to give this a crack now. I want to give this a go because he he he's just showing me how I can make my body refreshed after saying all the good things that mm. I was just tired. I was just, just I was worn down by by my work life and everything I was doing. So we'll give another shot and I done well. Got now, when, now when you wait, wait a minute, when you say work life, we're talking twelve hour shifts, yeah. And, and with with some of the most desperate people in our society, so you you're drained in every way, shape, yeah. or form. So mentally, you're helping a lot of people living on yeah. the streets, all these types of stuff. You were working uh, on the doors uh, of a night time, all in, these types in the of cream, stuff. And I was on, 
Yeah. Doing all nighters there, doing all nighters and work. I was just, yeah, was just Catching an hour of sleep here, yeah, an hour of sleep there, yeah, and then going to train. I sometimes work night shifts and go and spar Tony Bellew or Tony Dodson or whoever else. <laughs> Nobody's hard. Full time fighters. Full time, younger, well, well, more well schooled in boxing than me. But I held me on with everyone at every time. We no sleep. No sleep. Everything against me. So it's a, it's a good story. It is a unique story, I've got to say. So from that moment then, how old are you at this point when you when the mixed martial arts stuff peters away? 34. Got, don't know if I thought I was 40. But I think I fought, I think only had uh, four years in the sport. I think I got 20 fights. I was one of the hardest working fighters in the gym. Again, every, everyone I'm saying, other people will attest to. Yeah. Obviously, it comes from my mouth, but... And I'm not I'm not saying that out of arrogance, but we're on a fight we're on a fight show and I'm trying to give an example of how how different my journey's been to most other people's. And like there's there's, there's people who've witnessed that and will attest to that. Hmm. So I stopped that when I was forty, I think, because I got my skull fractured in the cage, would would you believe? Did it in a fight? Did it not hit a, a, a metal a, step? A, a step, yeah, yeah. How did that happen? Because because the photographers pushed the metal the metal step, I mean, a very solid metal step, by yeah. the way, that they stand on to take pictures, and he pushed it into the mesh of the cage. And, and I'd been in, I'd, 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 a, I'd a really bad time in my life at that point, and it was the fight that was getting me out of this 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 hole I was in. I'd split off from my partner, my, my wife. I was in, I was living homeless, I was in a deep dark depression, and I, and I realised fighting was was my way out, getting back to your being, focus, getting back to knowing what I know I'm good at, and I was against a very tough, capable man by the name of Ian Martell fights for Carbon in, in Liverpool. So this was a test for me as well. And it was, you know, putting myself on show in a, in, a, in a major test after two years of, like, some serious bad bad times. And I, I got fit for that fight in five weeks. Shocked myself that I'd done it. But it was more testament to, to myself, you know what I mean? And I got there in the fight, and that was going to be, like, me, me win or lose. I was proud that I was there. That I'd done it, that I got myself back, and then a fractured my skull, and just did another major depression after that. How long did that put you out for? Until I come back to boxing, I just, just, just sucked it up and got back in again. I was going back in the cage because of that, so I didn't want to go back in the cage. It, was, it sort of sickened me a little bit. I was dealt with afterwards in terms of the support I got, and yeah, got, got good support from some, but, mm. but very limited support in in the in the entirety of what I should have got. Mm. Yeah, it was clear on camera what had happened. Yeah, you can hear me skull cracking all over the, all over the auditorium, and it, it was wrong what happened. And it was wrong how, how it was dealt with afterwards, and it was wrong that I got no support from the MMA community, from mm. some some you know governing bodies and various things. A like lot that. of people, there's no governing body. That's the problem. Isn't mm. it? So that's where it falls down. MMA in Britain. Regarding that moment, because that's dark in itself. Your professional career, the thing that you were doing in in the cage, in the ring, whatever. I'm being almost at the same time. Well, this is it. This is where I'm going now with it because you've got that that sends you into a spiral of uh, of a dark time in your head. But there's also your personal life that's pretty. It's dark, man. Let's be straight because there's not many people that are going about going, getting in the the octagon, getting in the ring on a weekly basis that don't have a place to call home. I, I want to make stress this point. I wasn't street homeless, by the way. No, I was, you were, you I was were... working in a homeless hostel at the time and I spent that many nights sleeping there in the laundry room. Yeah, that was probably where I spent more time. Friends and family members who, who would help me. But there's only so much you can put yourself on other people who've got families and got their own lives. Yeah, of course. So I'm you were, well, in, a, in well effect, away. you were sofa surfing, is what you were in So surfing and sleeping in work in the yeah. homeless hostel, below the office where I worked. So 
Wat uit weg, ik kon niet langs in sleep en ik wacht op zijn weg in de morgen. Je six foot seven man, how big is this laundry room? Big. Listen, it was warm and it, I made it comfortable. <laughs> For it, for it. <laughs> we all the laundry. But you know Lay what? It all out here, but again, it was more. It was like a, I don't know. It's just one of them crazy parts of your life, isn't it? But I'm glad that happened because it's. Do you think that, in a way, those moments, those times when you're in that laundry room, you're sleeping in the night, you're thinking to yourself, like, what's the next step? Where am I going next? Do you think those moments then propelled you to what we're about to talk about with what just happened in Glasgow? It's, it's it's yeah it's it, you know what I accept it because of the people I was working with above got far worse lives than me so that was a way for me to accept it because I know the stories of others and I know the far worse than mine so that was a way to so you can't compare your own your own pain to others but it, but and it doesn't help because you're not trying to look at their pain and think you're better off it's not 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 what I mean it's like but you understand you you really when you're working on a van for twenty years you truly understand suffering that makes sense yeah. And I, I was suffering, but not at, not at anywhere near the level of what. So in, a, in effect, your work with homeless people was inspirational in a way. Oh, yeah, and I always used it, and I always tried to inspire the people I work with. You know, I've, 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 I wouldn't say achieved, that's the wrong word. I, I've inspired a lot and a lot of people over the years, mm. from the age of 20. I've done it all on my own time, with my own energy, besides uh, everything else I was doing. I've done it, I'm, I, I, and I'm proud of that. But again, it's all it's all been part of me becoming me as I've grown, I suppose. From my, from from the no chance life I had, ahead of me, that's what's driven me. So I've 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 been driving through negatives rather than positive. I haven't been driving from a solid foundation. I've been driving from a very weak foundation. Mm. But now I've arrived at where we're going to speak about now. That's cemented it all and made yeah. it all worthwhile. Well. I remember speaking to you at the back end of last year on uh, the radio show that I do here in Liverpool and we were talking about the prospect of uh, fighting Roy Jones Jr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and for those that follow fighting will know full well what happened with that. Obviously, he pulled out of that fight. There was a bit of disappointment around it. But I remember that moment of speaking to you and I just remember you being so matter-of-fact with it and you were so... This is boxing, that's what happens. For me, a person that hasn't been through the things that you have been through, was looking at it as a fight from thinking, oh man, I'm absolutely gutted because this hasn't happened and this opportunity hasn't happened and if we'd have got that fight and knocked out Roy Jones Jr., God knows where Tony Moran would have been, you know. Uh, But the way that you spoke to me about it, I'm thinking, he's so chilled out about it. That, again, is trying testament to you as a character of where you've come all those years to build up to that moment. You kind of just took that right in your stride. Years previous to what I've just explained, I wouldn't have taken any start that well. I would have been devastated by it, and I would have been emotional. But because I'd gone through that or this period, that it didn't mean that much. Yeah, it did, and it didn't. Yeah, but when but, you compare it to the things that yeah, you've just been talking about, become more acceptable. I suppose the more experiences you've had of, of you have of of an adverse nature, you can become more. You can either become more accepting of things, or you or you can or you can go deeper into your own misery. Yeah, I've chose. I've chose the. The good route, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Because I've seen what the, I've seen what choosing the the the, the, the misery route just, 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 just rips you apart and just, mm. just eats you inside, and you just end up <laughs> going down some very negative roads, don't you? No, absolutely. Uh, we see fights fall through all the time, but it was the nature of the way that this one fell through. I would have been beautiful. But he, he knows. But I, yeah, he, absolutely. He knows. Well, it has been beautiful. It turned out beautiful, mate. Well, kind of. I mean, yeah. there might be more. Who knows what you're going to tell me in a minute. But um, obviously, Glasgow, what, six weeks ago? 
four, four, six weeks ago. No, only, like. only, only over three weeks ago. Was Is it? Three weeks, 23rd of April. 23rd of April, you nip up to Glasgow. Yeah. You're given an opportunity to become the WBF yeah. uh, Cruiserweight Champion of the World. Firstly, before you tell me the ending, <laughs> how do we get to that point? How does that opportunity come about? To myself. And um, like like most of my fight careers happened to myself. I mean, as, as, apart from like the managerial side that he had in, in, in Wolfslayer and, and the boxing previous with a, a guy called Tommy Gilmore from, from Scotland. And they, they were they were managers, proper managers, and they they managed it. But going back into boxing, I've effectively, the British box, boxing board refused me my licence when they returned. Tell me about the day, because I, I, I know about on the actual day of the fight. Hmm. You received a few phone calls, didn't you, on the actual day of the fight? And was one of them about the license? Text. No, that's how that's how I come across in the Guardian newspaper report. But it, it, that was a little bit confusing. Okay. There, so before the British it, Boxing Board license, I applied for last year because I've had three I've had three boxing matches on my return. Yeah. So it was last year they applied for me British Boxing. They they wouldn't give me a reason why. They still haven't given me a reason why. Why they declined your no, application for a licence? No, not at all. They, they didn't even have the uh, respect to reply to my emails or my phone calls. I'm very disappointed. So um, that's that. They're alluring to themselves, unfortunately. And they've got, there's no reasonable grounds for them to refuse me my box, British Boxing Board. And the only reason I want my British Boxing Board licence to be known is I want to want to be like Benjamin Button. <laughs> I want to go back in time and win the titles that I, that I challenged for yeah. and didn't win. And I want to do that as... As a, as as a, a massive l- show to people that at the age of 42, if you never give up, look what you can do. Yeah. And I can go back and win all them titles, and that's a fact. I'm that skilled now as a boxer because of my new coach, Fran Arden. He skilled me to. So I've got all that years of hardship and testament to just my inner metal and my core my core values and my, my strength as a, as a fighter. But now I've got the skill to be a very, very dangerous boxer. So the BB, B, or C. Have turned the license situation. Yeah, without any reason or any evidence based on, they won't even give me a tryout. So now you know they'll try and disregard what I've done now. Is it because it's not licensed by them? But yeah. it is. It should be. It should be regarded, and it's very, it's very evident what I'm, what I'm still capable of. And it's mm. very sad that they won't give me my opportunity. I can't go on any 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 shows that the main promoters, uh, yeah, affiliate because they're all affiliated to the. You got the strong. You got to have a license, yeah. <laughs> And it's unfair, and you've, you know the licensing people with way less ability or way less credentials than me. I was a top ten ranked British boxing board fighter. Yeah, and I, and I, and I, and I'm also quite a decent guy who, who who reflects well on the combat sport more than more than most. Mm. So why do you, why they refuse me? I don't know. That is a moment for now. I'm sure in the future. With the fire in your eyes, my friend, that might be overturned. We'll get to <laughs> we will get to that in a minute. All right, yeah. um, but let's talk about Glasgow the night. Yeah, so you were just giving me a little bit of a a trail of uh, instances that happened as we were leading up to that night in Glasgow. The the border control turned your license down, so you're an unlicensed fighter. And then what happens? So if you're referring to what was in the garden, the week of the fight, I um I thought I had a crack rib from sparring mm. the week prior. So I had to keep that quiet. So that wasn't good. So you, so you were going into the fight with a broken rib? It was a crack rib, I'd say. It wasn't broken. <laughs> it wasn't, flo- wasn't floating around. But it, it, Listen, to me, it's a broken rib, all right? And uh, Well, did you do say that, actually, whether it's cracked or snapped in half, it's a broken rib. But, so there was that. I've, I've got some reasons why I can I can uh, give you evidences to me, pain test. I don't know where it's come from, but it's there. 
and uh, and then I got a text on a Wednesday to say my employment had gone at Garland's nightclub was, was closing for the summer. Mm. My only form of income at the time. And uh, and the flat I've been staying in <laughs> with, with uh, on someone's you know someone's goodwill was having to be given back up. So that was gone. That was on the Wednesday. I was fighting on the Saturday. Licence gone. Bad broken rib. Crack rib. Jobs gone. Jobs gone. And your house is gone. And then I got in the ring Saturday and performed like a world champion. And, and then on the Sunday, I had to find somewhere to live and find a new job. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, mad's that? That is absolutely bonkers, mate. <laughs> absolutely bonkers. We're, but I'm not surprised that you go and win the fight because of speaking to you after the Roy Jones Jr. thing. It doesn't seem like many things that will come your way that are obviously massive moments of adversity. You seem to be to have the right attitude, I think is the right word, to be able to just deal with them. When they when they arise, so many people will crumble under that. I found that attitude. I it was always in me, but I couldn't I couldn't see it in myself. So maybe meeting my new partner in life, who's we always said that was was the cliched saying about having a good woman behind you, but mm. it lifts you, gives you gives you wings, and so that's happened. Yeah, I've just learned, I've become knowledgeable about about who I am, and mm. I've, I've 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 delved deeply into my own soul, and I've, I've come up with the answers. <laughs> well, well, that's good well what's next WBF Cruiserweight Champion that's that's fact right at this moment in time yeah so what is next is that the end of the road or is mm, there more no it's not but I've got to have the incentive now to fight again and then I need and it's all the, about the, the license, public want to get behind me or anyone in the know wants to get behind me there's a lot of people behind me now I've got, I've got a I've got a great story and one one that reflects about I suppose the things I've done in life of a good nature and that I continue to do in life. So, I, if you want to get behind people, get behind good people. And I deserve another opportunity. And I deserve to have the incentive to allow me to go for that because I've got three kids. I've mm-hmm. got to provide for them. Mm-hmm. I've got a partner. I need to try and get a home. Try and save the world. I need work. So I need I need to add after earn a living through normal methods. So started a personal training business on the back of the you know I've added anyway, but on the back of the world title that helps, doesn't it? All all the glitter and gold helps, I suppose. And then, so I need the incentive to not not work. So if, if I get a good pace for a good fight, then I can. But sadly, the WBF, I've got great promoters back in it in terms of like the, yeah. the TV link promoters. Yeah. So yeah, unless you got the TV, you ain't got the money. So unless I'm on these these bigger shows in Liverpool, and that relies on getting the license. That relies on getting the British Boxing Board license, and that allows me to fight on different promoters. I'm a good sicker teller, so I'm a, I'm a good I'm a good for it. Well, the story's good, isn't it? I am Everything good, about I it. I am good for a promoter because yep. I sold tickets. Mm. So, in that sense, I'm, I'm good business sense. But here's the thing, guys, about about the WBF. It, there's that many world titles and that many combat sports now. It, it has become quite a joke. And I, I'm, it, it's not, but it's not, that's not my fault. And people are trying to undermine what I've just achieved against a very credible opponent. He was a T-Times ABA champion, Sandy Rob, by the way. Mm. He's a top 10 ranked pro in Canada. I don't know why he's from Scotland. And he's a machine. And when people see the fight and how credibly I performed as a 42-year-old man, I didn't sit down once in that fight. For 12 rounds, I stood. Not to be arrogant, I've just learned new things about the body and how to recover and all that. And I performed as fresh in the 12th round, which you'll be able to see when the video comes out. When you say sit down, you're not talking about being put down. You're being sit- you're talking down. about sit down in the corner, aren't you? I didn't sit down between rounds. Yeah, I know you didn't. And I wasn't doing it as a safe to, to try and um, as a mind game for them I was doing it because I've learned this thing about recovery that standards better and, and it is because my body was as fresh in the 12th as it was in the 1st 
and 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 from the first to the twelfth, I don't fatigue once. So that's forty-two year old man, so, and and I'm and I'm a natural athlete by the way. So take from that what you will. But I've achieved all that through nutrition and recovery of of like the highest order, and not supplementation recovery through nature to 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 delve and deepen and into into health. So it's it's all good. I'm flying. So my soul is lifted. <laughs> Stand up. Stand up. Have you been doing? Have you been doing a bit? Oh yeah. So sorry, getting back to that. So yeah, I just like challenging myself and things that I, f- I feel like I'm good at. So I used to just send, I was a bit naughty to be honest and on the tweets and the Facebook, but I was going, I was going to break up. So I just started being a bit angry with the world, but allowing that anger to come through in a in a comedy form. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just, natural just scouts ob- observing, no observing. The lesser people in life and how they act, and you know, I base this sort on that type of comedy. But what you see in Liverpool quite a lot. Have you ever done a bit? Have you ever stood up oh, in front yeah. of an audience and done a bit? Smashed it, smashed it. Me Get first. out, man! Me first one, I smashed it, and then I died in Manny. <laughs> I died on me. St- I died on stage in Manny in front of me new missus. Oh yeah, be that in front of the Manny lad. <laughs> I asked all the Manny fighters to come. We were no, and they all said they were coming. And only about three of them turned up, and they'd written me old routine on the Wolf Slayer. And how I used to terrorise all the Manchester, like, only joking. And they were all going to be there, I thought. And then I got there as a sort of students, and thought, how am I going to get up and present this, like, with this Scouse accent about this, the, the, the themes I had? I mean, I just couldn't do it. I just fell flat. So have me. you been back or not? Nah. <laughs> you just... It's a very, very tough yeah. industry to break into. And I realised I ain't got the time to get on stages all around the country that. That, that I can't develop like that. So I got into the poetry then. I love poetry. I've, I've been to poetry recitals and sat there. I've made people cry with my poems. Filth, mate. Swear yeah. to God. I bet you've written a few for your new missus, haven't you? No, I mean, like. Come on, man, haven't you? Come like, on. Truth. Poetry. Don't like, truth. I love poetry. Yeah. I have, you know, and she keeps going on at me. So you're like, dishing it out, you're getting all sentimental, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah. I'm good with it. So. I'll write one about you and Nick. Get out, lad. Get out. Why is out on here? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you said, just uh, before I, I let you crack on with the rest of your uh, evening, you said you got a great story for me about the UFC. I have, yeah. Are you, la- are you allowed to share it? Oh, that? yeah, it's a great story. Go on then. So I was working on the Cream Nightclub when I was about 21, 22. This at Nation? Na- yeah, in the Cream and Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the UFC had just formed then. I mean, the original UFC. And, Ho- and Hoist Gracie was the original UFC winner of one and two, I believe. I don't know if he won three, but I think it was around the second one he won. And he, he was he was he was banking this banking um, the fame he just achieved and was coming to do seminars in the UK. So we we believed that the UFC was just like this brutal fight sport. And we went to the seminar in Bolton, me and all the door lads in tracksuits and quite scruffy and stuff. And we walked into this uh, arena and it was like pristine white suits, all the black belts. Because Hoist Gracie had just proved to the world that uh, Jiu Jitsu was the number one fighting art. That's, yeah. what, he, that's what he'd essentially done. Remember the old format that he yeah, 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 yeah. had? Yeah, the boxer, the kickboxer. And no one, no one was like cross, crossing over. It was just like your purest sport. And he just proved that, he, that BJJ was the number one fighting art. So he was, he was a hero, he was a god. So we had all like the top Jiu Jitsu guys in the country all there to pay him homage. And we all just fucked in our trackies. Didn't have a clue what was going on. They're all kitted up in their gear. Yeah, and we just stayed, and we thought it was going to be like a street fighting seminar. And um, but anyway, I just went up to Hoist at the end, and I said, "I work on the Cream Nightclub." I said, "If you want to come later, feel free. <laughs> give me, give me his, give me, give him my number." 
han du slet ikke kigge i skavt, ja. Han du slæft, han er så mit... Jeg er bare et højst græs, hvis det kommer til Jeg går forudsigelse på det, Han er godt... Og så mit sidstes tæt i et bæddag, party vi folk går tilbage. Han er godt at få en kår. Hey, man, it's højst. Hvad er det? Edge Lane McDonald's. Jeg har fandt ud til min sidste omgang, så jeg... Og hvad er det mest højst græs, Jens? Det er City Center Concert Square, hvor det er noget, der lager Colin, vi vil Um, we were standing in concert square. I'm only 21, 22. So I'm effectively standing with the new artist man on the planet, aren't I? Lovely man, by the way, with his brother. Can so, I just ask at that point, did, 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 because UFC was so young, did, did anybody know who he was? No, apart from a few doormen in town. So, um, so we got all the folk here. Anyway. And then get on this, 10 years later, he comes back when I'm at the Wolf Slayer and he's saying with um, Tony, one of the, the main BJJ guys in Liverpool, and, was and he still fighting at this point? Or did he no, he was in? just going around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, this is what type of man he is. He remembered me from 10 years previously. <laughs> I'd asked about me and come to Wolfslayer to see me to say hello. So imagine all the people in the world he's met. He's a, he's a hero, isn't he? Yeah. I'm not saying... He, I'm not saying I'm, and, no, no, no. You, you showed him a night in, in Cream, mate. I showed you showed him a night out, yeah. So he remembered. And, <laughs> he, and he come to Wolfslayer and I got another photo with him 10 years later. Did he Did he go to Cream or did he just knock no, about? We, we went to, took him all around town then took him to Cream. I was working. I was meant to be working. I've got into two hours late. Jeez. story. That is top class. And then... Uh, My night out with Hoist Grace. I know, yeah. And no one knew who he was. And imagine if I would have... At that, at that point, imagine if I would have, I would have got into it then. Imagine if I would have started learning BJJ then. I was only twenty one or twenty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, it just looked like loads of fellas rolling around the floor, and I couldn't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> Which technically is what it is. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful skill, though. Beautiful skill. The fine arts of it. When you when you're a fan of UFC and you get into the fine arts oh, of, it's of BJJ, it's, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, but I just like fighting me. It's like getting stuck in, and I, I'm. My mind doesn't slow down enough to, to learn the, the, the beautiful art the form that is. I love wrestling. I love wrestling mm. because that's just full on rugged, get stuck in there. Do you know what I mean? But I, I could, I should have developed my wrestling more. I'm not a, I know what? I'm not a bad grappler. It takes, it takes a top level grappler to give me, give me problems now, like. But and, and heavyweight one as well. They're, the, they're, they're the kings of the castle. Them the heavyweight wrestlers. Oof, kings of the jungle. Serious, mate. Serious. Eighteen stone man on top, and yeah. Yeah, no, who, know, who knows how to who knows how to grapple or wrestle? It's dangerous, man. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes Store. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, so therefore you'll never miss out on any content that we get exclusively for you here at the Fight Disciples. Next week, you're going to be hearing from another scouser, Tony Bellew as he goes in search of the WBC Cruiserweight Championship of the World. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.